You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set up to bring you news, interesting topics and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 370. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Annika Harrison and Pontus Böckmann. Sjastok! Hello! Hey son, hey son! Hello, Andras! Like all three Fancy of us. Fancy meeting you here. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good being here with you too. Um, every time I come back and I do this intro, it sounds a little bit weird that I'm saying that uh, joining me that today. No, I'm joining you guys. <laughs> yeah, <so well. laughs> You're very welcome, but let's not change the, the actual text there. It's been working for a long time, so let's keep it. Yeah. Let's keep yeah, yeah. it. All right. Yeah, and it's always fun joining you. Yeah. So where are <laughs> whereabouts are you now? I'm currently on the island of uh, Penang, well, somewhere around Georgetown in Malaysia. Yes, mm-hmm. and soon I'll be heading to Singapore. Mm. And Exciting. speaking of joining people, actually, on Sunday, the twenty sixth of March. By which time I'm pretty sure that the episode will be out. I'll have half a day off. So that means my morning morning (laughs) is off. So if anyone listening to this is around the area, please drop me a line at andrash at vesp.eu or find me on Twitter or something. And uh, we could catch up if you fancy a chat or something. Yeah, cool. Uh, Like a morning coffee or anything. Yeah, so either of you? Um, no, we, we, we don't have any plans to go to Singapore. Even if coffee <laughs> with you sounds very appealing, I think uh, we'll pass this time. <laughs> we will have to wait until uh, QED or some, some other event, right? Yes, yes. QED, QED. <laughs> We're all excited. <laughs> How have you been, guys? Very Good. well, I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's raining and stuff here, a bit uh, boring <laughs> weather, but... So, well, I go on my morning walk, and um, today I got wet, but it's worth it. It's fine. Very <laughs> slow, rather. So, um, well, there are a lot of things, but nothing I can discuss here, I think. Uh, I am busy. I Ooh, am busy. Pontus has secrets. I have secrets. <laughs> Is it about your book by any chance? No, 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 no. That is <laughs> I just a have to well buried you. secret. I it's... just have to needle you with, with your book. Ah, I okay, think. okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah but no pressure whatsoever. <laughs> no, no pressure. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been good too. Um, and it's raining here too. So not much fun going out at the moment with Luna. No, we're actually spending a bit of time at my parents' house. And uh, it's really nice to just spend time with family. And yeah, I really just appreciate that. <laughs> Sounds great. Mm-hmm. I, I know I would. <laughs> okay, but since there is a bit of a time delay between us and uh, it's getting pretty late <laughs> here where I am, I wouldn't mind actually getting on with the show. So, uh, as usual, we will start with This Week in Skeptical History, also known as Twish. And uh, this week, the person that I'd like to commemorate on the occasion of his birthday is a gentleman by the name Wilhelm Reich. Does that name ring a bell to either of you? 
Yes, yes, yes. I do know who he was. Well, I'll let you tell us, but I know who it is. And I've written about him on the Swedish Skeptics blog about a year ago, I think it was. Ah, okay. Was that for the uh, Skeptical Monday or Friday? Or what, Ske- what is Skeptical that? Monday, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've done. Okay. <laughs> I have done. Today, it is a Monday, actually. We record this a little bit early to make sure that we get Andras on the show. So this is Monday. And... Today I released my 142nd Skeptical Monday. It's a, wow! It's not a round well number, but it's quite uh, mm-hmm. quite a few. Yeah. Impressive, yeah. <laughs> so you've been doing this for three years, then? Wow! I'm impressed. Yeah. So so come May, it'll be three years. Awesome. Yeah. 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 Wow. Well done. Anyhow, um, this guy. Wilhelm Reich, he was born on the 24th of March, 1897. And he was born in an area that currently belongs to Ukraine. And then it was part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. It's called Dobzau. Sorry if my pronunciation is a little bit off. (laughs) So um, he went on to serving in the Austro-Hungarian army in the First World War. And then went on to study in Vienna. And he started studying law, but he, he, he found it a little bit dull. And uh, that, that's why he went on studying medicine. But out of medicine, apparently his attention was mostly on things of the mind. He was very fond of the works of Sigmund Freud. And he actually met Sigmund Freud in uh, 1919. And they, the two guys just heated off immediately apparently so much so that a couple of years later in 2022 freud took him on his private clinic to do psychoanalysis that was called the vienna ambulatorium the only problem with him was that he was well we we all know that freud himself was obsessed with sex and sexuality but uh Wilhelm Reich was probably even more so. And uh, he tended to establish sexual relationships with his uh, female patients, which was, well, even then, (laughs) quite frowned upon. Frowned upon, yes. It is still very much (laughs) frowned upon. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But today we we consider that obvious that it should not be done. But, um, I mean, at least normal people do. Um, But um, but back then it was... A lot of people just didn't know how to behave in that situation when they found out. So he started coming up with very weird ideas. And one of them was something that he called the orgastic potency. So um, he... (laughs) About releasing... (laughs) emotions through through the muscles that are used while you have an uninhabited orgasm well that was not a point where he he stopped so he wanted to harness that kind of sexual energy uh, so to speak as well so he started devising something that was called the organ equipment. So he came up with the idea of something of an esoteric energy that was that he called the organ. It was like a, a life force of sorts <laughs> that he tried to build up as a concept. But he didn't stop there either. 
he started building a machine that can harness that kind of sexual energy. At the beginning, it was like a small machine. But then he realized that in order to harness the real amount of energy, you need to build like a big, big, big cupboard or a wardrobe kind kind of thing that a person can fit in and can sit inside and the layers of wood and metal could actually collect that level of energy that can be used for all kinds of purposes. When the shit hit the fan was when he started claiming that uh, those kinds of energy can be used for healing certain different ailments, diseases. He even claimed that cancer could be cured Mm. with the organ machine. So that was obviously ridiculous, even for his contemporaries. Even when we hear, when we moved to the United States, that's where the FDA actually started an investigation into whether his claims are substantiated by any kind of evidence. It turned out that they really weren't, and he was actually convicted for fraud. And for the fact that he was marketing something with the promise, that was absolutely ridiculous and and out of this world. So this resulted in him going into prison where he died a year later of a heart attack. They should have put him in a very small cell that was more like an organ chamber. And then he probably (laughs) wouldn't have had that uh, heart failure. (laughs) Well, that's a good one. I never thought of that. But um, yeah, he actually died there. But he did all kinds of different weird things. And he was interested in a lot of weird activities as well. But that is probably the stickiest one. Because the organ machines are still there. So there are still people claiming that organ is a real kind of energy (laughs) that that you can use. Is it from Atlantis? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well he was he was into the ufo stuff as well didn't he? <laughs> um, a, a little bit yeah he was just an overall weird person he died on the 3rd of november 1957 and uh yeah because of his significance in the history of pseudoscience i believe it was worth talking about mm-hmm. his birthday which is on the 24th of march 1897 i would also like to add that When you started talking about him, I just wanted to find out if he is German because of the name, of course. Mm. I went onto Wikipedia and what I found is that the first paragraph is completely uncritical in German, at least. So I was like, hmm, that really shows again how important GSOW is, you know? Mm. Yeah, so (laughs) now you have a new page to update, Danica. Exactly. (laughs) So yeah, that's that's all I wanted to add to that. (laughs) And I know he's not German. Mm. Yeah, but his, his legacy still lives on i know mm-hmm. there is a the, the american college of orgonomy is still <laughs> a thing that happens yes. in the in the yes. u.s and mm-hmm. if you go on amazon and other stuff as well you can find energy generator orgon pyramids so for some yes. reason which i'm not quite sure he got into pyramids as well so you can buy orgon pyramids and i quote Healing chakra condensed metal matrix that include a combination of quartz crystal and energy clearing crystals and stones that absorb negative energies and transmutes them into positive forces that stimulate the body to heal itself. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Mm. Impressive stuff, huh? (laughs) (laughs) If only it worked. 
Yeah, well. well and and the, the other thing is that if there is some kind of energy that dissipates as electromagnetic radiation of some sort, it wouldn't work because an organ collector is basically a Faraday cage. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, well done, Wilhelm Reich. And um, his obsession with, with sex was pretty amazing. How he could apply everything that he learned from the Freudist movement. And, and he actually started a movement as well. I mean, he was the father of the German proletarian sexual politics movement. <laughs> so oh, really? it's a sex poll. It was called sex poll. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's an yeah. information I and, could have lived without, Andras. <laughs> oh, I can do better. Because, no. because that was a quote as well from him. That's a truly Freudian idea, but he, he really pushes it to the extreme. It says, and I quote, It is not just a fuck. Not to embrace in itself, not the intercourse. It is the real emotional experience of the loss of your ego, of your whole spiritual self. Okay. <laughs> About orgasm. I mean, oh at the, the, yeah, it's the beginning of the sentence I can really relate to. But at <laughs> the end, the loss of your ego, of your whole spiritual self. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, indeed. Speaking of. <laughs> speaking of, yeah, speaking of sex and speaking of, oh my God, Pontus, do you have something to poke the Pope for this week? <laughs> I wish I had now, but actually I was going to give him the week off. Uh, there hasn't been too much interesting things happening. Something, well, no, I won't get into it. So let, let's skip him for this week. All right. Okay, that it means that we need to find out what's been going on around Europe in the last week or so. Yes, two weeks ago we talked about how the FBI claimed that the lab leak was the most likely start of the COVID pandemic. We were not convinced, to say the least, and now we are even less convinced. Some of you may already have heard this, but there's an international team of scientists that say that they have found what may be a smoking gun, or at least close to a smoking gun, I would say. They have isolated DNA of raccoon dogs together with the SARS-CoV-2 virus. So that suggests that these raccoon dogs, which I hadn't heard about before, actually, they are not raccoons at all. They're not even dogs. They are related to foxes. And they live, uh, there are a couple of different species in East Asia about them uh, or of them. And um, yeah, so maybe, just maybe, that's the way uh, the SARS-CoV-2 virus got into humans through these uh, raccoon dogs. Of course, it has always been put forward as the main theory that some kind of spillover of a virus is how it all got started. It hasn't been clear exactly which animal this could be. Most everyone agrees that it all started at a wet market in Wuhan in China. That's the main theory, except not in China, which I will come back to. They have another idea. Uh, And we don't know for sure, of course, because this raccoon dog origin is not 100% proven. We'll see if it can be independently verified. As I said, China is not very happy about this. They are not transparent. And in fact, they reject both the lab leak and the wild animal idea. They don't want to accept that the origin is from China at all. They are trying to promote an idea that the virus somehow came from abroad to China via frozen meat 
and that frozen meat was then sold on the wet market. Uh, nobody is buying that theory, I, <laughs> I guess. Not so, outside of China, anyway. <laughs> well, just using um, Occam's razor just doesn't sound really probable, you know? <laughs> no, no. It's, uh, but it's typical when things get political instead of mm-hmm. trying to find what actually happened. Yeah. So yeah. now at least we have a new suspect, and that's the poor, and I must say, rather cute raccoon dog. Yeah, they look, look a bit you... like Martins, right? Like, they, they <laughs> look pretty cute. <laughs> yeah, you can look them up on, on uh, the internet. They are very cute to look at. I don't know, maybe they bite. Uh, I wouldn't get too close to them. Yeah, no. Especially if they're full <laughs> with viruses. Don't let the raccoon dogs bite. <laughs> All right. So I have another story. This is from Norway. And mm-hmm. as we've said before, acupuncture is neither safe nor effective and very dangerous. And don't do it. So here we go again. Uh, a Swedish football player who is playing in one of the top female football clubs in Norway mm-hmm. has been seriously hurt by acupuncture. She is called Mimi Lovenius. She is 29 years old and she's playing for a club called LSK Kvinner. And Kvinner just actually means women, so I guess the club is called LSK. I I don't follow Mm -hmm. football, especially not in Norway. The team was on a training trip to Marbella two weeks ago, and for undisclosed reasons, she visited a local acupuncturist. And this quack really lived up to the puncturist part of this name because (laughs) she punctured a lung on her victim during the procedure. Levenius is now recuperating, but has missed uh, playing a a few matches, of course. She's very critical as well of the football club, because they have, for some reason, asked her not to tell the media how she was injured. Uh, She's obviously telling anyway. Uh, And that's that's pretty bad. When when quacks are quacking, the public should hear about it. And um, Levenius wanted... I assume she wanted this so-called treatment, so she might not agree that this is quackery. But all acupuncture is quackery for reasons that we have gone over many times before and potentially dangerous. I don't know what it is with these. Uh, why would they push the needles into the lung of a person? Yeah, it's like to, to actually puncture a lung. That has yep. to be really deep. Yeah, very deep. But there are various. Uh, well, yeah. Well, it depends on where you push the, the yeah, but isn't needle. Isn't there a ribcage in the way? Yeah. Yes, but where there are no ribs, it's very soft muscles. Yeah, but you you're find. still talking centimeters, right? Yeah, it's like you're still talking several yes. centimeters. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, the interesting thing is that there are reports, um, statistical reports as to how often it happens. And it looks a very, very low probability incidence. Some studies have found that it's like a 0.05 per 10,000 treatments. And most of them are pneumothoraxes. But pneumothorax, so the punctured lung, Mm -hmm. is a very rare event in itself. And I found one study that says that between 2017 and 2021, four out of 474 pneumothoraces were acupuncture related. Hmm. So when you look at it from that perspective, that is a much higher probability mm-hmm. of having some serious complication. Pneumothorax is something that can easily kill you. That means that your lung basically collapses. It's life-threatening. <laughs> yeah, because like there's normally a vacuum outside of the lung. 
Oh no, it's just like, guys, like, <laughs> it just baffles me how if you want to put needles in soft tissue, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, it's like it's still stupid, mm. it's still dangerous because of infections and stuff, okay. But to risk your life by puncturing your lung? It's yeah. like. <laughs> yeah, especially since there's very little evidence that acupuncture actually does anything at all. Yeah. So um, you, you're risking a lot for something that doesn't work. Yeah, and this poor football yeah. player, it was like her chance to play in, in a match now. Mm. And she can't because her lung is punctured. And this is a fit, healthy young woman. Yeah. And, and she's in hospital now because of acupuncture. Yeah, it really baffles mm. me. <laughs> Something that also baffles me is how TV channels sometimes don't seem to learn. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they learn how to make money. Yeah, that, that, that's actually true. <laughs> no, but what happened in Germany is we had a Schlagersänger, like a singer of popular music, but it's like, I don't know, do you guys know German Schlager? He probably yep. shouldn't. We yeah. do have our own version of it here in Sweden. So, And is that called Schlager as well? Yeah, regarded as uh, yes. being very, very commercial and yes. not very deep. And uh, yes. yeah, it's a bit it's like basically it, trash music. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's not like it's not like pop rock. In America, you would say like oh Megan Trainer or Rihanna or whatever. Like it's not rock pop. It's more like pop music that has a different kind of beat and it's usually about love and very shallow, as you said. And sometimes it's also party music. So what, what they would listen in the party event regions um, of Mallorca, for example. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's very shallow. And, and this guy called Michael Wendler, he first was only one of these singers, but he then became a bit more famous by going into all of these reality TV shows And then he started believing and peddling conspiracy theories. He called Germany a concentration camp during COVID. Don't do that. <clears throat> he also said millions will get AIDS from COVID vaccinations in, in September 21. Hmm. He also did a lot of anti-Semitic statements. Really, really shit, basically. Like really something you don't want to work with. And that meant that a TV channel that did a show with him, they actually cut him out of the show. Like they threw him out and they also cut him out. Good. But then mm -hmm. about a year later, his wife became pregnant. And guess what they wanted to do then? <laughs> Another TV, a TV channel. We should make a show with him and his wife because they're pregnant. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, of course, and luckily, everyone was not amused. Someone on Twitter called Katerina Nokun, she said, this is a message to the scene, which is saying, oh, you can do whatever statements on Twitter. It doesn't matter. In the end, you will still get a TV show. You don't even have to distance yourself or apologize. And it is true. It's like if you can do anything and you still get money and publicity because your wife is pregnant, then that's really not a good sign, you know. Mm. <laughs> But the latest news are that the TV channel actually changed their mind now and said like, no, we're not doing it. Uh, but not because everyone complained, but more like one of their biggest clients slash stars said, oh, we're really not happy about that. And someone who says COVID doesn't exist and calls Germany a concentration camp and is believing in other conspiracy theory shits, <laughs> no, we don't want to be colleagues with that person. 
Mm. So they basically threatened that they would take their uh, productions and go. <laughs> and that made the channel change. Yeah, so it's mind. only so, for commercial reasons yes, that they, yes. they backed down, not exactly. because they actually disagreed with, or mm -hmm. had any views on, on this crazy ideas. I told you, they are good at making money. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, but it just shows A, how important it is to create what we call a shitstorm. <laughs> yeah. But not in a way of, I'm not talking about sending someone threats or whatever. Like, we don't, we know that that's really bad. And I would never, never say you should do that. But what Thanks I say for is. Thanks clarifying. Like, yes. I, exactly. But yeah, because both is a shitstorm, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so mm. um, I'm talking about mm. it's important to criticize where critique is needed but criticize it in an objective way and in a yeah. way that, that is still kind. Uh, yeah, it's important to do that. And it's also important to not let TV channels or other um, commercial groups uh, to not let them out of their responsibility. Because without them, those people wouldn't have publicity, you know? <laughs> right. It sounds like uh, this guy, was it Michael Wendler? Was mm -hmm. Michael name? Wendler, yeah. Michael Wendler, he mm -hmm. seems like uh, he could get along very well with the next person we're <laughs> going to talk about here. <laughs> Quite sure. Yeah, back in January in episode 362, I talked about how Linda Karlström, who was the Swedish Skeptics Confounder of the Year winner in 2019, mm -hmm. she was suing the Swedish government for emotional damage and invasion of privacy. And that was because of a documentary in the state public television where she was partly filmed with a hidden camera. And she um, she revealed herself to be not just an anti-vaxxer, but also a major believer in and spreader of conspiracy theories, mm -hmm. including denying the Holocaust. Mm. So And uh, yeah. had other anti-Semitic uh, views. I was skeptical about this lawsuit, but... Now, lo and behold, she has actually won, or partly won, in the lowest court of the land. I, I do believe you should be careful with using hidden cameras, and it there should be rules around that. But it was strange to me that she could sue the Swedish government instead of the Swedish TV network. It's a state-owned TV network, but still, the court gave her partly right because they concluded that the media regulations in Sweden do not fully comply with the European Convention on Human Rights when it comes to protecting the rights of, of people to have their privacy. So, fair enough. I'm not a legal expert. I can't say if that's good law or not. But as a consequence, Linda Karlström got awarded 9,000 euros in damages. Uh, and she had asked for a little more than that. Uh, it's not too much money, I think. I don't know if this is going to be appealed or not. But uh, as a side note, Linda Karlström is still a nut job, And the court <laughs> actually agrees with me in that. Because in the court ruling, they wrote the following. And remember, this is a judge writing this. Quote, the defendant also invoked a large amount of evidence to prove that the benefits of vaccines are not scientifically proven, that the New World Order is not a conspiracy theory, that the Holocaust is not one of the most well-documented events in human history, and that SVT, and that's the name of the television network, is not objective and impartial. The district court has rejected all this evidence and considers that the proceedings in this part have been unnecessarily burdened. End quote. So basically, she was a pain in the butt during the, 
the, this proceedings and she kept bringing up irrelevant arguments and conspiracy theories that had nothing to do with the actual court case, which was, was her right to privacy violated when they filmed her without her knowledge? And that was what it was all about. But she kept bringing up all this New World Order nonsense instead. And they got that into the final verdict that, no, we didn't like that. But of course, of course she did that because in her line of profession, if, yeah. I, if I can call it that, uh, <laughs> this is the way. I mean, this, this is the way to argue in all kinds of different situations, right? Yeah. So you're gish galloping, you're trying to bring in completely irrelevant arguments, and this is how you win over your audience, mm -hmm. usually. So mm. obviously, she tried that at court as well, but, <laughs> but <it> just <laughs> didn't work. didn't want it. I mean, <laughs> shut up, woman. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I hope this is appealed at some point. Yeah, well, I, I don't know, because what's appealed is not if she... It's sort of not a, even a skeptical thing from one point of view, because the yeah. trial is not about what she wanted to make it about. It's not about if she was right or not. We know she's wrong. The problem is, did the journalist not follow the right uh, methodology when they did this documentary? That's what it's all about. And I have no views on that. I don't know that. That's not me. I wonder if there are international rules regarding that kind of investigative journalism. So yeah. are you are you really not supposed to do that if you are investigating stuff? When it's undercover it's okay, but when it's not undercover then it's not or uh, how how does that work? <laughs> well, I don't know. Don't know. Mm. I'm just asking questions here. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> That's my job today. I think you want mm -hmm. just people to lose their trust in pseudoscience, right? <laughs> By asking questions. Yeah, that's, that's what we all want to do, like, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And something that actually happens in Germany is that people are losing their trust in homeopathy. <laughs> Good. Yes. Nay. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. tell us more. Yeah, 2014, about a third of Germans were still sure that homeopathic remedies are working. And right now it's only 23%. So, yeah, of course, it's not that much, but it is still... It's a 10% drop. It's a 10% drop, still, drop. So yeah. It's... I mean, it's like if you don't know what a third is compared to 23, then you think, oh, yeah. But it's still a 10% drop, and that's still really good. Uh, sorry, 10 percentage points, right? Yes. It's more of a drop in oh, uh, yeah. as a percentage. Yes, 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 yes exactly. exactly. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's still interesting who believes in the efficacy of homeopathy. It's usually not people who didn't go to school very long. It's usually people who are educated. Yeah. A lot of people also want the insurance companies to still cover homeopathy, although they know that it's not 100% uh, working. Yeah, it's, it's just interesting because according to an article in the Welt, mostly people with a higher socioeconomic status are taking homeopathy. So people that are already making more money and pay higher rates for the insurances. And that means mm. if they, they're probably thinking, well, if I'm already paying a lot of money, why are they not covering the homeopathy that I'm also taking? So if you know what I mean. Mm. But yeah. it's still like uh, a signal to everyone else, so to say. And um, it's, it's just interesting to see like who takes homeopathy and, and why. It's still good that the belief in the efficacy of homeopathy went down in the general public 
And I think that's uh, at least partly down to information network homeopathy, um, who are just doing an amazing job. So thank you, information network homeopathy. You are amazing. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't agree more. Mm -hmm. It's the right way. Yeah. It's a good trend that it's going mm -hmm. down. I have another good trend for you. Ooh. <laughs> we have uh, talked many times about organic food, which is basically oh, yeah. a marketing scam. People believe it's better for you to eat it. It's not. And that it's better for the environment, which it isn't either. And most people find that very surprising when you point that out. But uh, the reason that it's bad for the environment is that it generally requires much more land to produce the same amount of food. And from an environmental point of view, that's much worse than the potential benefits you, you might have uh, with the, the other stuff. So... The trend. I was happy to hear that the sales of organic food has gone down dramatically in Sweden over the last couple of years. It has fallen from almost 8% of all food sales in 2019 to just over 6% last year. And the trend seems to be uh, continuing. Unfortunately, the bad news here is that it's not because of increased awareness in the public or that, that we have some good information campaigns of this in, in Sweden from the skeptics' point of view, it is instead because of the poor economy. People just don't feel that they can afford organic food because you pay a premium for it. And uh, let me tell you, I mean, inflation in Sweden, especially when it comes to food, is pretty terrible mm -hmm. at the moment. Yeah, we've got the uh, same issue. <laughs> yeah, I think food prices, I haven't checked this, but it's around 20% up for over the last 12 months mm -hmm. uh, for food. And for some things... It's even worse. I read yesterday in the paper that cauliflower, for some reason, is up almost 50%. <laughs> Could that be because all the vegans using cauliflowers for like uh, <laughs> cauliflower rice, <laughs> cauliflower this, cauliflower that? <laughs> Could be. I have no idea. That didn't say that. It didn't say it. So I don't know. But uh, so I can understand that people feel that food is very expensive. And so they are choosing not to go with the organic food. That's good because it's a waste of money anyway, and it doesn't drive good environmental mm -hmm. issues or solutions, even if people think so. Mm -hmm. well, I should say also that the article I read, I know that the inflation is going on all over Europe, but the article said that the drop in organic food in Sweden is unique. It doesn't happen in neighboring countries. And I don't know why that it would be, but um, that's what they say. But, but anyway... Organic food is a scam and you make your, you make yourself and the planet a favor by not buying it. So please keep on not buying it. Yes. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. And if you're in Hungary, even more so because uh, we, we are actually, this is something that we are leading Europe in, in the food inflation. So oh. we are far ahead all the other countries. Glad you're winning some competition. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we used to be very good at mortality rates. Of, of, uh, oh, no. Welcome of to the list of things you don't want to win. Yes, yes. So we shouldn't be laughing about that. Mm. But in February, the average food inflation rate in Hungary was 45.8%. Uh, wow. So, uh, yeah. Jesus. It's yeah. Uh, yeah, and, well. and it's and and I'm not kidding you. We are leading the charts of Europe mm -hmm. by far. Yeah, with that. I mean, like, like and, uh, we are we are at 18.7, which is already pretty. Like it's already yeah. cutting into what I buy for food, for example. And we're not like I wouldn't say we're the richest, yeah. but I also wouldn't say we're the poorest. <laughs> mm. And I was like, I wanted to buy some chicken. 
not, it wasn't even one chicken. It was just one package of bit of chicken meat for a meal, and it was nine euro ninety five. Yeah. <laughs> so ten yeah. euro for yeah. not even a whole meal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's right. I, yeah. I, we have been. I haven't really thought too much about food prices, but the price of butter mm-hmm. for one package, yeah. the one we usually, it went from five euros to eight euros. So we actually switched brands. Just because when we now I'm looking at the price tags all over the place and you buy when there's a, a sale or something. So it is really affecting the way we live. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even even on a European level, a European Union average is somewhere below 20%. So yeah. it's bad. <laughs> it is bad. Anyhow, at least people are doing it for, for, for some reason, even if it's not out of proper consideration whether it makes any sense right. but it's just just an economic decision but uh, good to see that okay thank you very much and that means that we are moving on to finding out who's been really wrong lately yes of course it's someone we like poking <laughs> also at times indirectly mm. but I don't want to get ahead of myself uh, I think I just want to talk about uh, the context first so there has been a bill passed in Britain to create buffer zones around abortion clinics this is like areas around clinics where abortion uh, specific harassment as they call it for example graphic signs following and filming women or people going in and out and also approaching people and doctors and this is not allowed anymore in these buffer zones so i was like that's a good idea (laughs) so (laughs) and now of course who could have a problem with that (laughs) well i can give you a few hints (laughs) (laughs) yes and i mean i already also kind of said who could have a problem with that and here we have bishop john sherrington who said the rules are disproportionate and unnecessary. Because he said, for example, if people just want to silently pray near abortion clinics, then they also wouldn't be able to do that anymore. And that would be very evil and it could be seen as an assault on civil liberties and so on. So it's it's like really horrible. But on the other hand, I just have to quote Karen Wright, who said... We recognize the right to free speech, but it does not overrule others' rights to essential medical services, end quote. Right. And this is just like, yeah, this is exactly what it is. Like, you can pray, you can hold signs, whatever, but don't do it just in front of the abortion clinic where people are exercising a medical service that is essential. And that is the point, you know? Yeah, I I would say that most of the country is not within 150 meters of an abortion center. You can go almost everywhere to pray and you can pray in (laughs) silence and you can pray, you could do whatever you Mm -hmm. want to, but you don't have to do it there. And of course, it's just an excuse to harass people and try to get them not to have Mm -hmm. an abortion. I know a few friends who had to have abortions and none of them were like, wow, this is fun, I'll do it again. People usually take abortions because there's no other choice. Mm. And to make Mm. them feel even worse then, this is just like shabby. This is horrible. But uh, to not lament on this too much longer, 
I think I'll just put this in a nutshell and just say that uh, Bishop John Sherrington receives this week's prize for being really wrong. Yes. And do we need to say that he is a Catholic? No. Nah, it goes we probably without don't saying. even need to say that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Uh, well deserved, that prize, thank you, thank again. You. <laughs> and... Uh, Thank you very much for that, Annika. And that means that we are about to conclude the show. However, before we do that, and before we say goodbye, we need a quote. So, whose quote did you bring today, Annika? Yes, I brought a quote, and it is by John Locke, British philosopher and physician who lived from 1632 to 1704. And yes, we quoted him before, but not with this quote. <laughs> and it was just too good to pass up this quote. Mm -hmm. um, and it is, the only defense against the world is a thorough knowledge of it, end quote. Yes. <laughs> it's yeah, just like, yeah, right. this is <laughs> okay, yeah. short and sweet. <laughs> mm -hmm. Very good. Very good. Like it. The world mm -hmm. is out to get you. Yeah. And, and you the only way to <laughs> guard yourself is to know as much about it as you can. But I, I, that's how it is, really. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then, but this is still not to be confused with just uh, having facts. It's more like a thorough knowledge is much more than facts. Mm -hmm. That's right. So, yeah. yeah. It's not how we need to interpret this mm -hmm. because it would lead to the frequently debunked information deficit model that uh, that is not the right mm -hmm. way of thinking it then i'm pretty sure that john locke didn't mean it like that no <laughs> it's just the more you know about the world the less frequently mm -hmm. you get scared of what you see because mm. you things actually make sense that's good all right thank you very much and uh, i'd like to thank both of you annika and pontus Uh, for allowing me to join you today. <laughs> thank <laughs> Thanks you. a lot. I hope I can do it next time too. <laughs> I'd really like to thank our listeners as well for tuning in. Please keep doing so. And until next week, goodbye. Tschüss. Hello. Bis dann. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast.eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe Yeah, so uh, it's been... Uh, what, what, what did I want to say? Nothing. Never mind. Okay, okay. <laughs> just drop it. Andras, Andras, Andras. We can't hear you, Andras. Hello. Yes. Uh, two. <laughs> what? <laughs> Nothing.
<laughs> Hello. Sorry. It's working yeah, is a good okay. word. <laughs> it's a good word, yeah. <laughs> we can work with that.